0: CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's what so we can see. Them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases.
1: Double tap to the chest,
0: one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violet island they got here. paradise. And all new crimes to be solved.
2: If you're watching this, I've been
0: arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii
2: Monday, starting at 9 8 Central on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.
3: BC fired up special edition bonus podcast from the state of combat on CBS sports pro wrestling in your face in your ear hole back and underwritten by that performance enhancing audio but you don't want to hear me sell you something you don't want to hear me tell you something you want to hear me open up that can because we got the one and only Hall of Famer six time WWE champion stone cold Steve Austin stopping by this special bonus podcast. You treat me like a dog and you expect me to smile. You remind me of a jackass. Oh, and he is fired up. Well, not that fired up, but you're going to hear that very, very shortly. The Brian Campbell, of course, the voice that you hear, getting me all kinds of fired up, stomping a foot, stomp in my mud hole, feel spot activated. It is the ITC. Remember that show? It's the SOC, and I got my co-host with me. Adam Silver King, Jacko, Outback, the gentleman, Jack Crosby, fellas. no time for introductions today because we've got one of those one of those interviews, right, and when you're hashtag blessed fellas to go up and down the road in any sport you're covering on this level, there are those special interviews that pop you on a whole new level that gets you a little nervous beforehand that are just different. Never had the chance to talk to Stone Cold Had it today. Wow, Adam, it, there's a very few there's only a couple names left that we haven't had this pleasure and uh it, it felt really special with uh, with the Texas rattlesnake this week.
1: Oh hell yeah, it sure did. Uh, first of all, before we even get to it, it's a great interview you're gonna hear it coming up on this show. but you know, Silver King puts on Booker hat and try not Booker T. Booker show Booker hat tries to get the biggest, brightest stars for the state of combat. We got a bunch we've had, we've had a good run. I think stone cold Steve Austin is the home run. It's the guy you want to speak to, not just about his career and what he's done in the past, but his thoughts on professional wrestling today. He is a true authority because he went through the pre attitude era career, not just as ringmaster in WWE, but his entire time as stunning. Steve Austin In the early portion of his career and obviously it went on far before that as well um but then saw through the attitude era into the ruthless aggression era i guess a little bit kind of uh and has been around and talking about professional wrestling since so to get his perspective not just on the past but on the present and the future where professional wrestling is going whether this is actually the third boom period uh, it was quite intriguing
3: to me. Yeah, great timing, of course, with the debut of his show this weekend after Survivor Series, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the broken skull sessions, in which we're all going to be fired up to hear his talk with The Undertaker, who just doesn't do that type of ish. Well, except for that time with his pastor. But outside of that, Jacko Crosby, um, we come from similar paths. You dabbled in in that prime 80s territorial days back when Stone Cold was just cuttin', cutting his teeth down in world class there at the Sportatorium. But when you hear Stone Cold Steve Austin today, guy who's still in it, still shows up to stun once in a while, still has the weekly pod. You, you catching those same feels?
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, Steve Austin is a guy that I always said is a prime example in this industry. If you never know where that next star is going to come from, because I don't know if you remember, Brian, I remember watching Steve, not just WCW. But you remember when the USWA, that formation between World Class and Memphis, Memphis, yes, was at the the continent, which was the Continental Wrestling Association, when that was on ESPN for a brief period of time, they had that ESPN slot after AWA
3: on the ring there, whatever the hell that meant. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I I, that was my first memory of Steve. Then came the WCW years where he was nothing more than a mid card guy, that's what he was, as he would say, a a good hand, a mechanic in the ring, a good hand, yeah. So then he comes to the WWF and the ringmaster thing. You never, ever suspected that this guy was going to turn into what he did, the transcended persona of the wrestling business, the Hulk Hogan of his era, if you will. And maybe, you know, surpassed Hogan. But no, watching this guy, and that's why I always point to people, you never know where that next breakout star is going to come from. And like the Austin 316 speech proved, all it takes is one moment. Uh, The the, imperfect timing. It
3: takes it takes a bunch of that. And uh, it's crazy, man. I mean, we're going to throw to that interview shortly, but we got an opportunity to just sort of riff on all things greatness here with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And when you get a legend like that in a tight window, you want to ask him a million questions. All right. Well, I asked him all the big ticket items that you're going to hear in a second that you'd want to hear. But what a love to ask him, guys. How much did little things? Set the foundation for what became when Stone Cold exploded with that King of the Ring promo that you mentioned there uh, after the Jake Roberts match in the 316. We know he went to ECW injured and upset and broken down from being fired from WCW, but I went back and looked it up. His first match, his first promo was against my favorite. ECW alum of all time, the damn Sandman. And when you consider that that guy at the time was already bringing the kendo stick and the cigarette to the ring, hadn't really yet fully developed his own beer drinking, crushed the can on the skull. You gotta wonder how much the Sandman during that season influenced the rattlesnake that we saw crushing beers left and right on WWTV for years to come. It's interesting.
1: It is. I think Steve Austin is just, He's one of those transcendent, transcendent characters who, even when you talk about, I'm trying to think, like The Rock, right? He, he, went, he didn't transcend wrestling and just be known by people outside wrestling. He went and became a movie star. Steve Austin's one of those guys. Yeah, he would appear on, you know, Jay Leno back then, or he would do the occasional hit on a, on a Today Show or something like that. But he was a transcendent wrestling star in the world of professional wrestling. He didn't need that extra, oh, I need to be Hollywood. Uh, like like I said, like The Rock, or even Roman Reigns now, where they're trying to push him as, hey, let's get him in the Fast and Furious movies and let's have him do X, Y, and Z, even Triple H for a period of time. Like, I, I forgot the name of that horrible, uh, horrible. movie that he was yeah. in. Um, you know, they attempted to do more with him and it, and it just, you knew it kind of wasn't going to work. With Steve, it was never about that. It was, I'm going to be as dominant, as important, to the world of professional wrestling as anyone ever has been. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for
3: that. Well, the, the peak end of his career was obviously – I mean, he had a long career, but the very peak end was somewhat cut short, obviously, by the injuries, which began with him getting dropped on his head by Owen Hart and then through all the all the knee problems and back problems and all that that added up. But it's interesting, Jack, because I think his uh, the truest part of his legacy is to say this. I still think the correct answer when asked who's the greatest pro wrestler, sports entertainer of all time – Personally, it's either Hogan or Flair. I think that's the true answer. Others are in that conversation. If you made the case for Rock or Steve Austin, you'd not be sworn off. You could, you could convince me. But I think Austin has cornered the market to the idea that he was the hottest anyone had ever been for a single period. It, de- it
0: depends on what your interpretation is. Like if, if somebody comes up to you and says, who's the greatest superstar in professional wrestling of all time? If you say Stone Cold Steve Austin, I have, the, I have no qualms with that at all. And, I mean, Rick Flair, in his Hall of Fame speech, looked him in the eye and said, You, not Hulk Hogan, you are the greatest superstar to ever step foot in this business. Um, but, yeah, it depends on what your interpretation is. But as far as, like, mass appeal and, you know, just straight superstardom, it's hard to argue against Steve. It really is because the probably the greatest boom period we've
3: seen in wrestling, he was right at the forefront. I mean, he, he was really the, the, the match. That parted, he had, like, like, it was the it was the Hogan heel turn in 96 with the launch of the NWO that needed to happen to start the war and to really, I think, start the engine to get the general fan caring about wrestling again and the lapsed one. I was lapsed at that time. I didn't watch Bash at the Beach live, but when you start hearing I think it was a junior in high school, and people were like, holy crap, dude, Hogan just turned bad. You got to start tuning into Nitro. That was a giant foundational moment, but I don't think we it gets... Anywhere near where it got, and certainly WWE isn't saved during those years financially without the Austin spark. And it, it's just, it's you. It's one of those things, just like I tell people, unless you grew up in the 80s and lived the Hogan as basically like God, Hogan was God. Hogan, you looked at as either your father or God when you were a young kid in the 80s. You don't understand even the Austin boom in the 90s unless you lived it. Because I remember going to like house shows at the Hartford Civic Center where there would be ladies that didn't speak English that would just scream, Masham Stone Cold, on the top of their lungs, the entire show, standing on their chair before his match even happened. It's sort of like he was Elvis in that moment, and nobody was ever more Elvis in pro wrestling than Steve Austin was.
1: The thing about Steve Austin, and it's very similar to how I think of Eminem, he was the right guy at the right time. He was the anti-authority, you know, DTA, while WWE was getting stale, and WCW, they had this competition with this really cool thing going, he was the right personality, the right style of wrestler. And let's not forget, when you talk about Steve Austin, you have to talk about Mr. McMahon. He had the best foil of all time. You can love all of Ric Flair's feuds. You can, you know, like John Cena, CM Punk. There's a lot of things you can like in professional wrestling in terms of feuds. But the perfect hero and the perfect villain that talks to in deep down both the teenager that wants to rebel against authority and the adult who's in an office environment and hates their boss and and always feels like they're getting, you know, the, the, the boot on their neck, you know, kind of always being drugged down into the, the bottom was the Stone Cold Steve Austin character. So yes, there, you could make an argument that Hogan at his height was a bigger star. You can say that Flair, Shawn Michaels, you know, Kenny Omega today are better professional wrestlers. Although I think when you talk about it in totality, Flair is just so far above anyone else. He had the promo of the in-ring ability, et cetera. And he always lived, he lived the character, not just played it. Um, but when you talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin, the right guy at the right time, and there's no one in the history of professional wrestling when their theme music hit elicited a bigger pop. Not the NWO, not Goldberg at his height. No one, yeah, not even Hulk
3: Hogan. Prime when you, when Hogan Prime 80s Hogan is like close. It's so damn close. Like it's a it's a different crash, kind of pop altogether, but it. Wow! If, if if anyone, probably the Von Erichs.
1: When you, yeah, but when you, that's that's like right, in Texas.
0: Yeah, probably the Von
1: that, that But again, that's in Texas, and you're talking about when the music hits and you hear Jr. That iconic combination, and then you see him strutting out down to the ring. That's just as symbolic of what professional professional wrestling is and should be of anyone I've ever
3: seen. Jack, would it be a stretch to say that Stone Cold Steve Austin was a part of two of the five most important feuds? In modern pro wrestling history.
0: No. No. That's not a stretch at all. Not by any means.
1: All right. All right. Thank you. Second one. You're saying the second one being The Rock.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, look. Three. I don't. I mean, yes, we could. It's not that much out of the realm of possibility. But three WrestleMania matches. And each to feel that large. Like even. Even when they weren't the last match. Quote unquote. Even you look back at WrestleMania 19. Right. That felt like a main event. So they had two actual main events by def by traditional definition, and then 19 and the storytelling, even of The Rock, even though The Rock was a heel, it was very unique because Rocky was a heel, but he gets the clean win. Like it was a babyface story, but the rock was a heel, and he finally gets the clean win over his nemesis. It was it's unique. Like you just won't see a a story, like you might see three WrestleMania matches between two guys. Or, or or gals, but not with the story those those two were able to tell
3: through the three matches. Yeah, uh, it's 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 that's Ollie Frazier for for uh, pro wrestling right there. I mean the the way that those matches played out and the difference in each one and the stakes and the terms all on WrestleMania all meaning that much. That's a really good.
1: Of- that's a really good comparison because they're not necessarily the best matches. But each one, when they happened, felt like the most important. And they're sort of
3: era-defining in a lot of ways in terms of the two biggest superstars. So, incredible career. You can make the whole argument that, uh, you know, he never gets there without McMahon. You can make the argument that he never gets there without having with him in his era, in his prime a second in terms of like the top 5 greatest of all time in the rock and that's sort and of, that's sort of important because Hogan and Flair in the 80s into the early 90s were operating in separate silos and didn't come together until they were in in the you know in the second half of their career and and you look at the other greatest of all time yes yeah, Cena sort of overlaps a couple different people but it's rare to get the two in that top 5 that were feuding that were that were the two biggest stars that that kept lifting each other up. So it's another wrinkle element to his legacy. But if The Rock never existed, Stone Cold still could have came pretty damn close, I think, to what he now, I mean,
0: now you're saying, BC. You say like you, you just mentioned Stone Cold couldn't get out there. We didn't mention Brett. 1996, Brett, made, Brett it, makes Brett his comeback her. Survivor series. He hand picks this Steve Austin guy to work with and only him. Then they do the WrestleMania match which the sharpshooter, the blood running down the face. Now, again, like
3: it probably would have happened, but Brett was a key cog in that, too. It's interesting. And uh, Another question I would have loved to ask him is, you know, what happens if you take a moment out of that equation, out of that insane build when he went from nobody mechanic ringmaster to the most transcendent guy in the business's history? What if the 316 promo bombed? What if the double turn with Brett didn't happen, you know, didn't hit the way that it hit with the blood and and with the I mean, just like it's so it's so interesting how many things need to happen. Yet when you're talking about somebody like Austin, it's like, well, he probably would have got there anyway, because he was but, when you're that transcendent and that good and you connect with the public really at a deeper level than any other superstar has. You think
1: about, though, the feuds that he also went through. I mean, he had Shawn Michaels involved, Triple H, The Undertaker. This is all time, all time. Even when Hulk Hogan was having his best Run, outside of the Macho Man. I'm not saying the other guys weren't great; they're all legends, but they don't really compare when you talk about the totality of
3: it. Well, let's not forget Roddy Piper, because you can Fine, say, Piper, too. You can Piper, say Piper, Piper made Hogan to the no, level. No, no, that's he was fair. That, I,
1: did, I did forget about Piper. That's very, very true. I'm just saying it was one after another for Austin. He went literally started with Jake the Snake Roberts, and he, granted, Roberts was only in the final to put Austin over. But Roberts, Hart. Michaels. Then you got Tyson, the injection. I mean, you had so, Owen Hart.
3: Look, that Owen Hart feud was a seminal stretch. Yeah. And non-
1: you, My point is, it was nonstop mankind. It was just greats upon greats upon greats, Hall of Famers upon Hall of Famers.
3: And it never ended. And he went over basically all of them. Jack, here's an indisputable fact that we've learned on this podcast throughout the history of its run.
2: I uh, have to say for the record, I was not banging and sunny.
3: So Brett wasn't. Was Steve or is that just an inappropriate question to ask at this point? <laughs> That's you. You
0: see, you just went off the rails again. But that's you. God.
3: All right, let's not waste any more time. We're gonna to go to a break. But on the other side, it's what you want. It's what you came to hear. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. We'll be back on the back end to wrap things up. Have a further discussion, breaking down the Rattlesnakes' answers. It's all things SCSA. It's coming at you right now. Enjoy. And you give me a hell yeah. It's not every day. The Texas Rattlesnake drops by your 20 by 20 studio. But that's where Hall of Famer, six-time WWE champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin resides right now on the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. Steve, it's a pleasure. How the heck are you down there on 316 Gimmick Street?
2: Oh, hell Yeah. <laughs>
3: Things are going awesome, man. Good to talk to you. I want to ask you about your new show in a second, but I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the biggest topic in pro wrestling this week heading into WWE Survivor Series. It's the return of CM Punk to some degree as he signed on to be an analyst with Fox on WWE Backstage Tuesday nights on FS1. What was your reaction given the years of acrimony between him and the company, and do you think this leads to anything more?
2: Man, well, I don't know if it leads to anything more. I guess, you know, speculation, to uh, be determined we'll find out. Just the fact that he's, you know, returned to be doing business with WWE. I love because I don't know, you know, they, they, they split up on bad terms and now they're, they're, they're back in business together. CM Punk was a lights out pro wrestler, great promos, great work, great talent. So to have him back in the fold, obviously, you know, I guess they iron whatever they need to iron out and, you know, both sides are happy. So it's great to have CM Punk back in the pro wrestling slash sports entertainment business. I think it was, uh, it's a breath of fresh air because the guy, you know, brings a, a great perspective, great insight and great opinion on all things sports entertainment.
3: Well, Steve, I want to slide from one legend in CM Punk to another in The Undertaker. And this Sunday, your new show makes its debut, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Broken Skull Sessions, Sunday night, WWE Network, after the conclusion of Survivor Series. And, Steve, you want to talk about a one-on-one interview show and get in the big white whale. It's Mark Calloway, The Great Undertaker, who in this era of ex-wrestler podcasts and shoot interviews Just doesn't do something like this. How excited are you from this, from the standpoint of giving a man a forum to talk who's so underexposed on this type of level?
2: Man, just uh, real excited. And and I'm hoping that everybody enjoys watching it as much as I enjoy talking to Undertaker. And he was the first one out of the gate. And so, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve there. But man, to sit there and shoot the breeze with that guy who's kept, you know, stayed in the dark for so long, kayfaving that gimmick and staying in character. I mean, you know, he he talks about, you know, staying in character for 30 years and, uh, how that ride was for him. And so for him to sit down across from me and to realize that we have a lot of things in common and the guy is just such an open book. I think, you know, he was ready to talk about some of the things that he's done, because everybody, you know, like myself and other guys who have had a tremendous amount of success have been able to go out there and talk about all these exploits and all these things that they've accomplished, but he never has. And he's one of the guys that's been, you know, one of the most successful guys in the history of the business. In my estimation, he's had one of the greatest runs ever and to last so long, so the, the fact that he opens up and just sits there and, and he goes down to earth and as uh, candid as he is, is very refreshing.
3: We only know from glimpses of the real Mark Calloway. We hear the legends of him being a locker room leader, but that gimmick has been so prote- well protected over the years. Who is the real man behind The Undertaker from your experiences?
2: The, the, the guy that i to be talking to right after Survivor Series. And, you know, when when he first got presented that, that that character, that gimmick, and you'll hear that story and then how he navigated some of the waters or who his one, you know, guy he went to for some advice. Uh, you know, Margus Mark and when when Vince came up with that with that uh with that gimmick, with that character, I I wholeheartedly believe and I think he talked to any of my peers in the wrestling business. If that gimmick, if that character would have been handed to anybody else, it would have been over in one to five years. Undertaker ran with that thing for close to 30 years. And the way he did it uh, to the, 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 the changes he had to make, and you'll hear that in our talks, there's nobody that could pull off that gimmick you know, like he did. But I would dare say with as athletic uh, of an uh, of, uh, in-ring style as he had back in his formative years when we would wrestle in the, the Sportatorium and World Class Championship Wrestling, he would take that style to the USWA and to WCW. Had he stayed that big athletic guy just trying to have great matches without that character, I don't know that he would have had the same success. I, I, I would I would almost guarantee he wouldn't have the same success. So it was the perfect... Um, Marriage or merging of this great character with this tremendous athlete who just happened to be six nine, six ten, to pull it off. And all the things that had to come together as he kept his finger on the pulse the entire time of this one-of-a-kind ride to make the, the modifications or adjustments when necessary. It was amazing.
3: Yeah, Steve speaking of great characters obviously yours has had such a great influence on so many people when I see the slight changes made to top WWE superstars over the past year like Becky Lynch through becoming the man and even Kevin Owens borrowing the stunner from you are you flattered to see these two characters take just a little pinch of what made the Texas rattlesnake so memorable and using it to help them to get to a new level.
2: Oh man, it's a huge honor and to be able to help someone because you know back in, back before I got dropped on my head, I was a Rick Flair clone. You know, Rick is the, is the goat in my opinion, and I was trying to emulate his style. I wasn't trying to copy him. I was trying to use his style as it pertained to my athletic ability, and you know, getting dropped on my head was. Uh, I I dare say I didn't enjoy that, but it was probably one of the best things that happened to me because I had to change my style to be more of a brawler and then combine the Stone Cold character with it. That made me, you know, turn into the superstar that I ended up being. But it was it was Ric Flair, you know, who I looked up to. And so, you know, if Becky, and she's doing her own thing, and and her promos, it's a different kind of promo, but just that swagger... Maybe I inspired some of whatever she's doing. She's done it all on her own. And for Kevin Owens to bar the stunner, sometimes when I'll see that trademark stallop in the corner, I know that might have came from me, uh, whoever's doing it and everybody stumped everybody in the corner, but I had a way to do it. So when you, when you see that your influence on on the younger generation that's currently still out there doing it, it's, it's very flattering and you just want them to take it as far as they can go with it because you 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 look for everybody that gets in the business to have great success, and sometimes the greatest technical workers, you know, aren't aren't the greatest success. It's the character people, or it's a combination of people. So, uh, anytime you can see something of yours that someone else has taken and, and ran with, and improved or tweaked, or made part of the, their their own, you know, go back to the super kick. Everybody's been doing the super kick, but when Sean started using, hey, it was a real you know, it was a real effective for him. So. Yeah, it's, it's
3: really cool. Steve, the business right now is is red hot again. You know, you something you talk about on your podcast weekly. Yet at the same time, we've got so many lapsed pro wrestling fans who wish we were still back in the Attitude Era when you were at your peak. What do you think is one advantage that this modern era has that's different from the Attitude Era and one thing that it's really lacking for those who want to go back in time?
2: Man, I think... Uh... <laughs> Through the years, they've, they've created such a machine and such a well-oiled machine, uh, that I, I think, you know, that, that that could be an advantage. Uh, you know, the technology, the, 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 the doctors or the training staff, I mean, guys and gals are pushed the envelope at, a, at an extremely high level, uh, from, from, uh, an advantage from the, the attitude era would be sheer, um, um, it would be, uh, what am I trying to say? Oh, just a sheer sense of urgency that the show presented from when, you know, like Night Show, it was the Monday Night Wars, when that pyro came down and all those explosions and there was Jim Ross yelling at the top of his lungs, what, a lot of lungs, what was going to go down that night. Sense of urgency and like can't miss TV. I, I think, you know, that's what the attitude era kind of had. But I just think, you know, the system and the way the business operates these days, uh, there's a lot of guys and gals getting opportunities. And you, you get a few chances, you've you got to knock it out of the park to continue.
3: And, Steve, right now, WWE proper has more competition than, than you know, going back to the Attitude Era from the idea of AEW, NWA, but really even in house with NXT becoming a proper third brand getting the live show weekly on USA Network and being featured so heavily heading into Saturday, Sunday's Survivor Series card. Do you think this is a third boom period, so to speak, where you have competition, you've got almost a new territory system popping up?
2: Well, I, I believe in competition. I think competition is, is uh, outstanding. And I love when we were competing with WCW. Uh, you know, AEW is doing their own thing. Uh, I don't know if you've turned on to, uh, YouTube lately and, and seen some of the NWA power kind of, uh, studio style, uh, pro wrestling. that's pretty fresh. That's entertaining to see. But I, I love competition. I love the fact that, uh, I love the fact that NXT is on, uh, on, uh, USA network and not just on, the uh, WWE network. And so yeah, they got a head to head thing going there. I think that's cool. Uh, AEW is doing their thing. Uh, WWE is doing theirs. Uh, and, and, when you see, uh, kind of when the business was down a little bit a few years ago to being where it is right now with so many, uh, federations out there, so many different shows and the, uh, uh, the, the Tuesday, uh, show on Fox and the Friday night SmackDown on Fox. I, I just think it's, uh, you know, more guys and gals are getting paid in the business than, than you know, a few years ago. So. The fact that everybody's making money, I love it.
3: Absolutely. What a fun time. Uh, Steve, one of your old running mate, Shawn Michaels, had said for years he would never come back. Well, we saw him finally make that comeback in Saudi Arabia. You're 54 years old. You're always outspoken about not coming back ever again. How close did you come, though, in the interim that's passed since your retirement?
2: Man, not close at all. Not close at all. I'm done. No no, no one, no one in the wrestling business or maybe nobody in show show business ever wants to say, they always say never say never. And hey, man, I I was, I was talking on an interview earlier. When, when WWE rebooted tough enough, you know, I love that because I was as close as I wanted to be to the business, man. And this is the business that I love more than anything in my life. So I got a chance to be a part of that. And I wasn't taking bumps. I wasn't getting beat up, But I was able to be, you know, a little bit of Stone Cold Steve Austin and influential in trying to, you know, help these kids start a career. And, and that's why I'm fired up about the Broken Skull Sessions. I'm back close to the business. I'm, I'm rubbing shoulders and talking to some of the biggest stars in the business. I'm part of the company. And it's a company that, that helped put me on the map. And I did good things for them, too. But they put me on the map. So I just love being in business with WWE. And I get a chance to... You know, live vicariously through you know the, the the stories that the superstars come on my show and talk to me about. So that's as close as I want to be, man. If you don't, you know, I'm not saying that I don't have a stunner or two or a couple of right hands left in me. I'm not saying that, but a full blown match, it, it ain't happening.
3: All right, one more, Steve. I want to take you out on this. You're on everybody's Mount Rushmore from the idea of the legends who define the business. Sometimes people are defined by decades. Bruno in the 60s and 70s Hogan in the 80s you in the rock in the 90s maybe John Cena in the early 2000s this decade's coming to a close at the end of this calendar year who's the pro wrestler of this decade in your eyes
2: Well I mean you, you make sure should put Brock Lesnar on it because I, I I think I think Brock is a guy could you could you give me a different name
3: Oh really Roman Reigns is close, maybe. Maybe you like Kenny Omega. Maybe you like Daniel Bryan. I don't know. But Brock seems like a
2: good one, Steve. Well, Brock, Brock you know, people say, hey, part-time, this, that, or whatever. When Brock goes to the ring, I still get a sense of danger. Or I sense, I don't really know what he's going to do. How often is he going to go to Suplex City? How bad could he really hurt somebody? What's he going to do with this opponent? Or what's his opponent going to do to try to dismantle him? Brock Lesnar creates more questions in my mind than anybody else walking to the ring, uh, for the last 10 years right now. You know, Cena, like Cena is, is up there with the top of the top, just like you said, but moving past that, you know, Brock Lesnar, when he walks into an arena, oh, or hell, if he stepped into an nice guy, you always wonder what's going to happen with that guy. So I got to say Brock Lesnar, he might not be around as much as many people would like. But as far as impact and sheer, you know, i got to watch this match factor. It's hard to say a guy higher
3: than him. Great answer. Great answer, indeed. You taught me. DTA, don't trust anybody, brother, but you can trust this Sunday night, November 24th, WWE Network. The debut episode is going to be hot. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Broken Skull Sessions, and it's The Undertaker going up and down the road after the conclusion of Survivor Series. Steve, great chatting with you. Can't wait to see what this new show is all
2: about. Thank you very much, man. Good talking to you.
1: Download
3: and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And we're back. B.C. I got Adam Silver King, Jack Crosby with me. Breaking down what we just heard there from the great Steve Austin. Great to run up and down the road with him, fired up like heck. I want to start with this Undertaker interview because there's an oversaturation of the market by far. You can argue that the, the idea of people wanting to hear pro wrestlers tell their stories is a major percentage of this overall podcast boom right now, at least on the sports side of things. I never even got into podcasts or knew what one was until you heard the idea that each of these guys was getting their own show. We were already in the shoot interview era with dingy hotel rooms. people. But nobody talks to The Undertaker. You don't get this type of reveal. How fired up are you guys straight up from the idea of maybe hearing some things that that just doesn't happen from a guy who not only had the longevity, but when you look at the idea of being a locker room general and being on the inside of so many key political moments, good Lord, this could be interesting.
1: I think the thing with Taker is that you don't hear from him at all. And when you do, it's weird because you have this picture of the Undertaker, right? You don't have the picture of Mark Cowell. You know what he looks like. You've seen pictures of him in Saudi. You've seen him hanging out with Brock Lesnar, um, you know, at a UFC event or not hanging out with, but. In the crowd, you know, for a face to face with Lesnar, but you don't really think of Mark Calloway outside of the Undertaker persona. So when he goes and does a shoot interview that was not really about wrestling with his pastor or whatever the hell that was (laughs) a couple months to a year ago, you're like, okay, this is weird. And I don't like this and I don't want this. This is different because every time you see Steve Austin do an interview, whether it's with Vince McMahon, the famous Dean Ambrose interview that, you know, may have led to Moxley in some part, you know, being on the outs with WWE long term, um, he gets a lot out of these guys. And he asks the questions that we if we as quote unquote smart fans want to know. He, he, he knows things from being on the road with these guys that us sitting down, we could write a thousand questions to ask Steve. And we're never going to come up with the two that Austin's going to come up with that are really going to hammer home onto something that happened on the road or an event where there was a huge disagreement between him and Vince, et cetera. So I'm actually extremely excited to see this particular interview. You know, Austin interviewing Shane, cool, whatever. You know, HBK, we see him talk all the time. But The Undertaker is someone that really hasn't explored, you know, his real life and, and his his tenure, which is as long as anyone's in the world of professional wrestling.
3: Yeah, no question about it. Um, I hope that. Mark Calloway, the dude who we know, like you said, so little of outside of some weird workout pictures on his wife's Instagram. Um, I hope he's willing to dig deep here because outside of Vince Jack, who probably will never give us what we want, which is sort of like an unfiltered, long form discussion with the truth. uh, This is the guy I'd want to I'd want to pick his ears. I mean, what are you going to ask him first? If you get that, I you know, if you had this kind of opportunity, I, I I hope we get something something real inside here.
2: Well,
0: first, if Steve doesn't ask about wrestler's court, this whole thing is a failure. <laughs> I need to know. I, I'm dead serious. I'm not joking. I need to know from Mark Calloway himself how this system worked. What were some of his fa- favorite moments? How much Jack Daniels was he given as gifts?
1: Mm <laughs> hmm.
0: I, like I, I'm dead, I, I, If there's one thing I'm looking for, I'll think it outside the box because I know there's obvious questions. I want to know about Wrestler's Court. So Steve better ask about that. But I'm looking forward to this interview because Steve is going to bring it here. I know some are worried, well, it's, gonna, it's not going to be watered down because that Ambrose interview was such an atrocity yeah. at a time when the Stone Cold podcasts were great. And that didn't just bring it down.
3: That tanked
0: it. And Steve is re- he said he's really upset See, about I, that.
3: I, I want to just pause you real quick and say it was a train wreck and atrocity, but it sh- it opened the door to something we hadn't known, which is Ambrose's weird side. And in the rough upbringing that produced which... this this weird deathmatch wrestler that I look back on that and I've watched it a handful of times as kind of being so interesting, I can't turn away from it.
0: Which it did, but the delivery just did like, and the awkwardness of it Yeah, it was, a it, it was yeah. just, so Steve, and I know Steve would not agree to do something like this unless he knows this is going to 100% get things back on track, get the people talking about how great his shows really are, especially the ones on the network. So I think, I think they're going to bring it with this and bottom line is <laughs> pun intended is that. This is the interview aside from Vince, which we got, which was interesting and opened up some, some things we never knew about before. This is the interview we all want. Like, it's cool to see Austin sit down with, with, you know, current guys and gals or a triple H like that's, that's cool and all, but we wanted Vince McMahon to talk openly and we wanted Mark Calloway to talk openly. Now we're getting the latter, And I, I really do think this is going to deliver on Sunday.
1: You made the quip about the bottom line, Jack, and it kind of makes me think about something. Austin having that catchphrase, is that and it being so successful, right? And people flipping out about it so much. Is that to blame for the current crop of, like, burn it down and big dog? And, you know, is is Steve Austin's success, is WWE trying to replicate that to a degree where they're forcing it and it's not natural and therefore fans are rejecting it?
0: It's definitely a part of it. I mean, like we we could that's that goes back to what you just said. We could tell when something's forced, and we could tell when WWE's trying to find that next Steve Austin. Which I mean, I've said before, you got to stop because we we just had this discussion. Well, they about had him lost how, him.
3: how how or how organic
0: everything was. Yeah,
3: organics the key. Which Steve, though. we we
0: literally just had a long discussion about his rise and the the how organic it all was, and then yeah, I do think sometimes. And with something like catchphrases,
3: they try to just force that narrative and it's just not going to work. I mean, it's not the it's not the catchphrases that makes the man. It's the man that makes the catchphrase and it's the combination of the man and the catchphrase well, that puts it, it to a whole new level. And it's sort of, you're taking something artificial and you're trying to lead with it, which is just, you know, some some catchy phrase you make up when really it's the core of the athlete being himself that we really want the most. The thing is, St- steve Os with the catchphrase like that's the bottom
0: line with the bald head and the goatee that seemed like a guy where i could i would walk into my local uh corner bar and a guy looking like that would say something that's the bottom line seth rollins doesn't look like a guy walking
3: around with a pack of matches ready to burn things down well, right, and, if he is, believable and if guys? he is why is he and well, yeah, yeah, that is just a weird arsonist. He's a it's, pyro, not, yeah. it's not that we haven't had this discussion in the past about, you know, what's wrong with WWE, what should they change? And in a lot of ways, it always goes back to the same core of this about letting loose, let the guys be who they want to be, let them fight, you know, organically allow the next rock and stone cold to emerge rather than constantly trying to pick the two guys that you most think or want. And but like at the root of it is something you just nailed. Okay, why did we connect with Stone Cold so much? Timing, the McMahon feud, all of that. But it's so damn relatable to that guy and everyone they're pushing up now. Really, with maybe with the exception of somebody like a Lesnar, and maybe that's why he works so much. Still to this day, is everyone feels so incubated in NXT and is just a little bit different from each other and is so unapproachably somebody that would never not only say the words that are coming out of their mouth, but look like that or there's just there's no core relation to anybody except for the people who are kind of sampling Steve Austin, like the man Becky Lynch, like Kevin Owens, that there's times where we're like, man, I'm feeling them right now. And yeah. then they get dipped back down what? in the, uh, in the McMahon juice.
1: It's not even just that though. Think about like triple H when he became the, became the game. He's like a bully, right? He's, he's the type of guy where he's the jock in your school. And he's all about domination and things like that. You have the rock. Everyone knows that overly charismatic dickwad of a dude, right? Who you just hate. But you kind of like him, too, and you kind of wish you were him. And then eventually you can grow to like him because he does a couple things that are good. So almost all of the characters that got over in a major way were relatable. And I think now, to your point, BC, and, and Jack as well, how do I relate to Roman Reigns? I really don't. I mean, I think the real-life guy, Joe, and his struggle, you know that's relatable to a ton of people. But to Roman Reigns, the character... I don't really relate to that guy. You know, to Seth Rollins, I don't really get it. There, there are people on this roster, and I even mean like an Alistair Black, who's just a badass, or Andrade, who is someone who's being groomed, this, you know, the potential great Mexican superstar who's just kind of moving his way up the ladder. There are people like that that do exist in the company, but it's not the guys they're pushing with the exception, as you said, of Brock Lesnar.
0: I, I would say too, you can add into the positive category there, Samoa Joe, because yeah. <laughs> for years we've, we've learned, we've been conditioned that Samoans are the most badass people on the planet. This guy, and it's not just having Samoa in his name. When you see it, hear Joe talk, you realize that dude's going to kick your ass. Right. And that's why I think too, even when we get worried about when he loses a match or something, he still comes back the next night. You're like, no, that dude's still a badass who will whoop your ass if he wants to.
1: And it's something that they have plenty of in NXT. And that's why we like we understand the Johnny Gargano underdog type of dude. We understand the Ciampa guy, the Baszler, the Matt Riddle even, you know, to a lesser extent. The Keith Lee, a guy who's so big but, you know, does things that, you know, you would never expect him to do. But then on, you know, going back to the main roster, you're looking at Ricochet who's – supposed to be a superhero and it's just like he's. Eh, he's never you know, I don't, I don't get it you're it. great yeah.
3: but so look the, re- it's different times in the Attitude Era the, there were less restraints it wasn't scripted but it was also a financial time with WWF where they would have killed themselves to get a Steve Austin in fact Austin in a lot of ways is, finan- is responsible so much for the financial turnaround so it's about like hey this guy might be something let's just let him go what if we got our dream and You know, tomorrow, um, Vince got on a sailboat and it got stuck in the middle of the ocean. He didn't die, but, you know, there's no phone communication, but he does have enough rations there to live for the next five years. So uh, Vince can't touch the product. And um, WWE suddenly uh, finds itself in a close ratings war. And now we need to flip that switch. We need to let these superstars organically become who they're going to be. If we're going to get another rock in Austin, it's going to happen organically, they're going to figure it out. The fans will adopt to it. Who is the most untapped on this roster right now, Raw or SmackDown, from the idea of if you just let that man go, he could be on the cover of TV Guide, even though that's not a thing anymore. But that used to be the crossover sort of moment in the 90s. It's like, holy crap, look, Mom, there's the freaking uh, Mick Perfect. Foley's on TV Guide. Like, who's that? You know, um, I mean, who... I mean, you could easily just throw out the top names, but I feel like there are others that are just straight up. Like, good God, I'd love to see how great Roman Reigns could be. I would love to see how badass Roman Reigns could be. And you know what? He
1: could be great. Take off the bulletproof vest. Get rid of the black, I guess they're not fatigues, but... The, the army type of pants, and let this guy go out in a suit and cut some promos and be a badass. Joe
3: Raines. And, Let's rename him himself. Joe Raines and just let him go out there and be a Samoan family man cancer yeah. surviving badass, Jack. Come on, Jack. Don't tell me Cesaro. Tell me somebody who would just be allowed <laughs> to just become a damn thing.
0: Kevin. Without a doubt, Kevin. Yeah. I still, Kevin. Kevin is the guy. We, we're just talking about, how do you not relate to Kevin Owens as a normal person sitting there watching him? How can you not? You'd have to be insane not to. I still think that Kevin Owens can be the biggest thing in this company. And I think we're trending in that direction right now. And that can hit the skids real quick. But Kevin,
1: every time with Owens, it's two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. You saw it the last time, even on Monday night. And, you know, we talked about it in our, you know, full recap show. Uh, Listen to it from Tuesday's episode. But even in that, you're talking about a guy who came out and had a total ha- tear down match with Drew McIntyre. The crowd is going absolutely nuts for him. Okay, great. What happened Sunday? What are we going to see at Survivors? Is he the sole survivor? Is he going to beat the hell out of Roman Reigns and win you know, the, the Survivor Series match? Okay, great. But what is probably going to happen? He's probably going to be like the fourth guy eliminated.
0: Now, we've all mentioned, guys, one step forward, two steps back. On this topic, the one man that they simply cannot, if they screw this up, and I know we've said this, but this is not hyperbole this time. If they screw this up, there is something royally wrong. Matt Riddle. If Matt Riddle is not a major mainstream star it, for this company within the next two to three years, on the covers of all these things, on the t- there's something drastically but wrong if needs to get let- fired.
3: Jack, they're going to have to further, in my opinion, they're going to have to further change what they allow in matches because Matt figured out how to use his insane athleticism to yep. do that indie style in such a believably physical manner. I mean, I think back to the first time I ever saw him wrestle with evolve against, uh, Tommy N there against, uh, what's his name? Uh, the damn Alistair black. And it's like, it was the most physical freaking match, but yet had the crazy spots and the bumps yet retain that shoot level blood sport physicality. and, If WWE stops caring about the flip-flops and the character and just lets that dude figure it out like uh, Evolve did, like NXT does to a degree, I I think there's still too much an attempt at polishing up Matt Riddle in NXT that they're even, even muting what he could be right now to a certain degree. I wish they would just let that... MF or go. You're right. You're right. You know, that's a name. That's a name that could be something oh, yeah. sick, but you got to yeah, let Matthew. him do the the bro half high gimmick to the to the nines, in my opinion. You got to just let him go be himself and just completely rip people and bro out and do it in that that very Spicoli type drawl. Not scripted lines. Let him figure it out. Well, look,
1: you know, we may be closer uh, federally to legalizing marijuana, and as things slowly get more progressive, especially yeah. regarding that, He doesn't need to go call it out. But look, you had Rob Van Dam in this company during the Attitude Era, and there was no hiding when you have 420 on your tights. You know, they they didn't explicitly go say, hey, this guy loves to smoke weed. But at the same time, they didn't not say that. And they certainly didn't, you know, tone it down. So I think you already see it on Twitter, at least with Riddle. They're saying it and everyone's allowed to kind of mention it. And he jokes about it all the time. I think what WWE doesn't want is a guy to be like, hey, I I go. I use what is right now an illegal drug. And, oh come on! You know that it's PG, and, and they still care
3: more about the the Fox TV deal and the T-shirt sales. And, so yeah, I think that, but I you know, think it is somewhat fair when you're dealing
1: with something. Again, a personal opinion aside, that is technically illegal to say, "Hey, let's not make that your entire character absolutely. on and, on USA Network." Now I
3: mean, we're talking about the idea of making another Austin, which which just can't happen on its own, and you would certainly need to just let people talk and be themselves. But even within the WWE system, main roster booking style and creation. there's still guys that can get pretty damn far. I mean, I'm still shocked that AJ Styles in 2016 reached that level of that perfect combination of doing quasi five-star matches with anybody and getting so over as a babyface, even as a heel, within the WWE system of doing things that it's like that guy fit like a glove. I think Velveteen Dream is that next guy who's going to fit like a glove. Another good choice. And that's another one where it's just like, don't screw it up. And even if you're going to stay on this path, Go all in, go for it, see where it's going to go. I want to close on this with Austin here because he gave such an interesting answer. When I asked him that about who's the wrestler of this decade, we're coming to an end now, and it was Bruno in the 60s and 70s, Hogan and Flair in the 80s, Rock and Austin in the 90s, Cena in the 2000s and the aughts there, and the whole idea of who's this decade. He gave a great answer in Brock Lesnar. And I, for some reason, it caught me off guard and didn't think. And I almost was putting him in a tough spot because it's like, do you want to say the commercial evolution of this Roman Reigns who's main evented all these WrestleManias? Or do you want to come with the backbone of Daniel Bryan, grab the fans' attention like no one else this decade and reinvented himself in many ways? Him going Brock, though, in the end, he might actually be right. He might. That might be the right damn answer, I think. I think he nailed it.
1: It certainly is. I mean, even though WWE wanted him to be the foil, what they did in building him up as strong as they did was they made him the star. And it is a for better or for worse situation. It's kind of like, you know, the 90s, I guess, ended up being certainly Austin. But for a while, it was going to be Bret Hart. And that would have been a for better or a worse situation because we liked Bret, but he's a B-side. And Bret, you know, you and I agree about that BC despite some other people certainly disagreeing. So with Lesnar, he is an A-side, but you wanted him to be the A-side to another A-side and it just never happened because they tried so hard to make Brock Lesnar look like a dominant beast that they kind of forgot you need to make him a little bit human if you're going to make it believable for someone else to beat him. And
2: they so also it, had a guy it who is, is Lesnar
3: even le- though it shouldn't have been. And he was the only legitimate like unique draw and they kept going back to that well jack outside of the names i mentioned there of lesnar reigns brian and look you wouldn't be wrong if you tried to insert cena at least back into the discussion who am i missing that has a legitimate shot i i when i was talking to steve throughout kenny omega is more of a hipster pick obviously doesn't have the long lengthy uh as long 10-year run i mean it really it's the last three years that we're talking about who am i missing that has a legitimate claim in this discussion
0: no, if we're talking wrestler, I don't think you're missing anybody. To be honest, I, that's that's not a lazy answer. I think I think you're down to Brock and Brian. Yeah, as your two. I think you're down to Brock and Brian. Oh, Roman's in you, that discussion. You, Roman, look, the Shield oh, was yes, early. Yes, Roman, I think would be a. I'll I'll tell you what. I'll give him a close third place finish.
3: And and I love Roman. I mean, and the dude so freaking main evented four WrestleManias. Like, I mean, that's that you can't look past that. But the the
0: the thing the thing is i can't argue with brock because and look i've been one of the few to defend brock because the whole part time champion thing is a tired lazy argument i don't like it look at the memorable moments from his, from his return in 2012 up until right now look at all the moments brock has given us from ending the streak the bat, the demolition of john cena like, we would never seen that before. The destruction of a top star at SummerSlam, a squash match, ended the Undertaker Street, banger matches with AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar versus it. Go back to 2012 and say, hey, if you're patient, we're going to give you a Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles match. And then after that, we're going to give you a Brock Lesnar versus Brian Danielson how match. How about the You'd Goldberg say, feud? You're Dude,
3: on drugs. The Goldberg feud, looking back, that's going to age so, so well. well. good. That's oh, let, age let, very hold on!
1: Well. Let's not forget the Samoa Joe feud too. So Brock has had these yes. time after time after time. I think the answer is this: it would have been Daniel Bryan. The fact that he had to retire briefly for that, I
3: wonder he, if it would have been CM Punk if he didn't if it didn't he, abruptly he never, like no. Possibly, he was very much in the two th- in
1: the in the two thousands. Certainly, I think 2010, 11, maybe twelve. He kind of was building towards it, but he was there with Bryan. Let's not forget, Bryan was so freaking over. He definitely could have carried this entire decade. But because he did get hurt, because he was gone for so long, it gave him a nice return. But you missed those prime years where the guy gets over and then you capitalize. WWE was never actually able to capitalize on him the way they did like Steve Austin.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it.
2: No one is bigger than the WWE.
0: I, I can make a new John Cena.
3: You can't make another Stone Cold Steve Austin. We thank him for his time. We're fired up to check out that podcast Sunday night. The new show, Undertaker. Man, that's that's going to be that is going to be something. We heard his thoughts on CM Punk as well. Uh, I want to close with this. What's your favorite Austin moment, match, phrase? Um, when you think Steve Austin, what's the thing? That hits you in the feel spot the most.
1: the The biggest feel spot to me, because I was a huge boxing fan and I was a huge Shawn Michaels fan. It's Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin, uh, Jr's call, the pull apart in the ring, all the way through re- the press conferences, leading into WrestleMania. You know, Tyson, I guess quote unquote turning. It was just such a great way to sell a pay per view, to put over Steve Austin. Um, HBK is incredible, certainly. It's just a defining moment in my wrestling fandom where I was like, I think going into that, it was kind of like, yeah, I watch it. And I started liking it a lot during the Attitude Era more than I did when my favorite wrestler for a period of time was Tatanka. But that put me to the point where, like, this is part of my life. And, yeah, uh, uh, Austin, Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin, it's that. And then the it'll always be sealed in my memory, the beer truck, because ne- you had never seen anything like it before.
3: Jack, you only get one. Silver King trying to give you three here, but you only get <laughs> it's, one. It's Tyson and Austin. And I had two in my
0: head because I had favorite and memorable. Um, favorite. Th- now the 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 blood streaming down his face.
3: That's it. That's Because
0: that was just looking back. Now, like maybe you didn't know it in the moment, but looking back at the moment now, that's where it was. The blood streaming down his face, not quitting in the sharpshooter. And that was it. That's We're off to moment the race. Because
3: Hogan's heel turn a couple months later got me back to wanting to watch wrestling again but I didn't realize there was really a war and that we were really in something ultra special boom period until Austin did that it, and I remember I you know yeah, I remember my reaction I remember just getting back into WWE when I was really into Nitro again and what was going on there with the nwo in 96 into 97 I mean it's hot and then in 97 to 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 see to see that i mean that moment and that was right when i got into ecw too so you're realizing that pro wrestling is going somewhere that you you never thought it would it's you know what i mean it's going so extreme and that austin moment which probably meant more for his character than even in a larger form for the business did so much to me on a business level. Like that was an encapsulation of the grit that I loved as a kid. When I'd get those books at the library of pro wrestling, you'd open up and every page had somebody just cut open and to see that's the way that story was told, tell- told for me, nothing will ever top them. I was like, Hey, thank you, Brett Hart for, for uh, providing that for us. Thank you. You did not bang Sonny. That is it. Hey guys, it's a, it was a joy. It was a pleasure to chat with you. You don't get stone cold every week considering, uh, His name. I mean, this would be like having The Rock stop by, you know what I mean? This would be like, look, I chatted with Hogan one time at ESPN in 2011. I got a framed picture next to my computer right now with me shaking Hogan's hand. Pre-racism, of course. Or (laughs) pre-racism reveal, I guess. But, um, you know, it was a seminal moment. You know, these moments sort of transcend even us who are lucky enough to chat with these guys, go to WrestleMania, interview them on camera. Austin's next level, bro. I mean, it is what it is. Feelers have been put out to The Rock. We'll see, this guy, this guy Silver, this guy's Barry Horowitz over here, just trying to. We'll see. I mean, we'll can see. you get us someone we re- really want? Can we get? No, I'm just kidding. The Rock, good God, the
1: guy. <laughs> okay, yeah. We... Sorry, sorry. Stone Cold Steve Austin isn't good enough. Yeah.
3: No,
0: yeah. oh, BBC to get to get Dwayne, you have to go on Twitter. Yeah. Right. We've learned that.
3: You have to tweet at it. Shout him. out to uh okay. shout out to that man who got him. Yes. All right. Hey, that's the show's Follow us on State of Combat. Just follow us. Okay, big week for the show this week. You're going to want to check out our Survivor Series extended preview. Our preview of all things, Deontay Wilder, Lewis Ortiz, too. Also, our special bonus interview with Deontay Wilder. You do not want to miss. Great time to be alive. Thank you for stopping by. Stone Cold said so. Yes, indeed.
2: Yeah, yeah, whatever.
3: All right, that's it, Stone Cold. I got two words for you, brother. We out.